0: i uh-huh. uh-huh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're discussing Luke Skywalker from Return of the Jedi. And joining me for the discussion is returning All Star guest Brandon Ushio. Welcome back, Brandon.
1: I've I've made the All Star team. All <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> I think you're you're in our uh, Mount Rushmore of most frequent guests. Uh, when we don't, I'm not going to count Todd as a guest because you know he had 200 <laughs> episodes of us about. But I think it's Kirsta, you, Nick, uh, Mav—that's kind of our our heaviest uh, in the rotation guess, I think.
1: Hey, I've been losing some weight since the pandemic started. Thank you very much.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, Brandon, you are probably familiar to many of our listeners, and I thank you for coming on to talk about Luke Skywalker and Return of the Jedi. It's not as turbulent a time to be talking about Star Wars fandom as maybe some moments in the past few years, but you never know what you're going to get when you (laughs) you do start (laughs) to open that can of worms.
1: That is so true. Star Wars fandom can be the most toxic place or it can be the most beautiful place. I like to see beauty in things. Yes.
0: Uh, Return of the Jedi, the film we're talking about, was written by Lawrence Kasdan and George Lucas and directed by Richard Marquand. It was uh, released on May 25th, 1983, and it stars Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, Harrison Ford as Han Solo, Carrie Fisher as Leia Organa, and Billy Dee Williams as Lando Calrissian. Brandon, do you remember when you first came to Return of the Jedi?
1: No, I have uh, never lived in a world where Return of the Jedi did not exist, and so I think I think uh, instead of Re- Return of the Jedi being something that I consumed, I think Return of the Jedi consumed me. I think that's how that works. Um, <laughs> th- now that said, I I don't remember the first time that I saw. Uh, Return of the Jedi first time I saw Star Wars was at a sleepover at my uncle's house and he just wanted to get rid of me but uh and that was Empire I started with Empire as a really young child but then uh my my first like real memory of Return of the Jedi was when they did the special editions in the theaters right and uh my mother actually took us out of school so that we could go to the theaters, because back in the day, you had to line up and you had to sit in the. I mean, kids these days don't know how good they no have with reserving no their idea. luxury seats in the app. <laughs> so uh, no, so my my parents took us out of school so that we could see all of the all of the special editions uh, the day that they came out in the theaters. And I know the special editions have their problems, but like that was, I I claim that as my introduction to Star Wars because. That was my introduction to the fandom of Star Wars, into the hype of Star Wars, rather than just being a really cool show with lightsabers, space wizards, and space cowboys.
0: Which, which it is all those things, too. <laughs> so don't don't want to negate that. Right, of it. right, right. Like,
1: like I mean, that's, that, come for the space wizards and cowboys. Stay for the good side of the fandom. Right.
0: Um, it is possible that Return of the Jedi is the movie I've seen most in my life. I don't know for sure what it would be, but return of the Jedi would be in the running of films. I have seen most times beginning to end. Um, And I know for a lot of the star Wars fandom, like it's so weird, like what, what people choose to like and what they choose to mock and everything. And and like, because of the Ewoks, there's a a segment of the fandom that does not like return of the Jedi. And they feel like it was just a cash grab of merchandising. I pretty much like all of return of the Jedi. even now like i i like a lot of that rotation as the film that i saw the most would have been like in my 8 through 12 year old range uh it was my favorite of the star wars movies and it, you know it's talking about kids these days like we didn't have streaming services with endless options where you never have to repeat view anything because there's always something new that you could just click over to it was like we have these vhs tapes or there's what is on the 12 channels <laughs> that is on television right you had now.
1: 12 of them <laughs> my antenna only picked up Five. Yeah,
0: um and and so you know we had a fair uh vhs collection going on uh so there were certainly options but i think return of the jedi was my go-to um for for quite a few years and um like like you're saying like there's there's something magical about star wars both as like the text itself but then also like the immersive fandom world of it that can um on its best days be a really special thing to engage with there are times where it can get a little frustrating and you just want to check out and say you know what i like this thing and that's it
1: (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't matter what anybody else says i like this and i will fully admit i am a straight up star wars apologist Mm -hmm. um meaning when there's a really dumb thing, and I'll tell you, when there's a really dumb thing in Star Wars, Star Wars is the, the best universe at retconning anything. <laughs> so when, when something really dumb happens, it doesn't take them long to release a comic book or a, uh, add a chapter in the novel or, you know, in the cartoon series, explain it away so that it actually, the dumb thing makes sense. Right. Uh, and that's for the but, hardcore fans because
0: there's no expen- uh, expectation that the casual fan who you know just go see the movies in the theaters and that's you know basically the extent of their engagement with the franchise would ever, uh a worry about that dumb thing or dwell on it uh, or b seek out an explanation of it but the hardcore fans will do both
1: <laughs> yes yes and and that and that is that is how I can apologize for almost anything in Star Wars and aside from that it's like when people complain about something not being realistic i have to point out we're watching star wars <laughs> <Yes>. space wizards <laughs>
0: yes um star wars like i as far as like the idea of star wars what i love so much it goes to the very opening words on the screen a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away that is immediately blending the fantasy genre of like fairy tale with like once upon a time with the sci-fi genre of a galaxy far, far away. And the best versions of Star Wars maintain that mix of fantasy and science fiction in a way that makes something new that I always want to engage with. And yes, there are now other texts that kind of do similar things, but Star Wars is always really captured um a combination of two genres that um, have a similar fandom, like the sci-fi section and the fantasy section are probably going to be next to each other in the bookstore. Uh, But they have very different generic conventions and Star Wars just says, no, let's, let's take them all in. I want them all.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And this, this stems a big argument as to, is this star is Star Wars sci-fi or fantasy. And okay. I just a second ago, I was like, yeah, I'm a big apologist and I love all this extra stuff, but you know what? I'm also like, I'm kind of shocked that you allowed me to be your guest for Return of the Jedi, because I'm like, boy, Joe knows a lot of nerds who are way into ret- or way into Star Wars. There are people who could, I'm sure, quote this movie line for line. Uh, my co-host Nick English could probably quote the movie line. The for amount line. of things
0: he can quote is astounding to me, <laughs> and he, <and> he does
1: not <laughs> He he just he spe- he literally speaks movie quotes. Um, so, but there there are people who understand. Understand all those retcons. I don't necessarily understand all the retcons or know what they are. I just know there's got to be a reason for it because there's always a reason, right? (laughs) And so I I approach Star Wars as more of a like I I appreciate it all, but I'm also just a fan. I just I just like it. There are things that I don't know about that will make it cooler, but there I I know a whole lot of random. Random details about it, but but there are so many people who know so much more. So uh, before we even start talking more about, it, I just have to say thank you for letting me be on Return of the Jedi because I mean it's Star Wars and it's Star Wars. Uh,
0: I, one reason why we actually haven't tackled uh, Return of the Jedi. So in like our first year, we did A uh, New Hope, and I think it was in our second year we did Empire Strikes Back, or it would have been very early on in our third year on the podcast. And I kept almost doing Return of the Jedi. Um, but I, I can never find the right guest. And then when you and I were talking about, like, let's do a double recording, get two episodes in. And I said, here's some of the things I'm thinking about. And you're like, I... I. I'd be happy to do Return of the Jedi. I'm like done. <laughs> if Brandon wants to talk yeah, about yeah, it, I, I am I so like... happy to have you on for anything. <laughs> so,
1: well, well, I'm gl- I'm glad because I we, I'm like I thought there would be negotiation, and you'd be like, hey, the contract has to have this, this, <laughs> and this writer. Like, and we're just done. Brandon, anyone know. from the
0: fandom podcast who wants to come on to the protagonist podcast to talk about anything, it's it's probably gonna be greenlit. <laughs> so, so, you guys are good. A <laughs> um, little bit of trivia about Return of the Jedi, um, as. I am sure most people are aware this is the third Star Wars film and the sixth Star Wars film simultaneously. And as my four-year-old who was watching it with me when I was had it on to, you know, I got to do my my research for for this episode. He was like, this is the first movie with a second Death Star. (laughs) 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 So uh, the numbering of the Star Wars universe can get a little confusing. And now we've added in Star Wars stories as like side anthology. Um, films. Well, I, I guess we've added two of those, and who knows how many we're going to get <laughs> um, of that. They're rethinking their plan, and uh, it was already going to be paused to be rethought, and the pandemic has provided a, an opportunity for a, a refocusing on new Star Wars storytelling from Disney. So it'll be interesting to see on the film side what what is going to be coming out in the next decade.
1: You you got to think that the uh, th- that Lucasfilm. It- started to breathe a sigh of relief when the pandemic happened because they had a lot of hard decisions to make and they probably and as much as i love star wars they were giving us a lot of star wars and it would have been it's probably good that they get this breathing room in the theaters keep giving me mandalorian keep Mm -hmm. giving me cartoons but i'm excited no i
0: agree i and i mean i don't want to get into all the like there's a lot of uh, second guessing and uh, backseat driving from fandom about the decisions. But one thing I think maybe was a mistake was rushing out Solo so quick on the heels of um, Last Jedi, where it was only what like a, was it a four month gap or five month gap? Uh, but- I,
1: it, it was not very long. It was long enough that I had to explain no this is not the sequel to this other one it actually takes place before all of the ones that you know but after the ones that uh, are the first 3 right. like, it was now i can it, i have it was, some quibbles with some
0: of the storytelling but for me that's like a business decision that i think it um like didn't allow the market enough time to breathe uh to, to have put out solo that quick and i think they were trying to pivot or or they had an eye on getting two star wars films out a year the way they they were able to eventually get two marvel films out a year as as like you know these are going to anchor these quarters and then the star wars films would be anchoring the other quarters of the year for the disney box office returns and i think they would have been better served to just keep it as a december release which they kind of established that pattern and the audience expectation that you know at christmas time there's a new star wars movie out
1: it. Yeah. And there were people who at first were mad that it was Christmas time because they were like, no, Star Wars comes out in May, uh, even though it had been decades since <laughs> yeah. Star Wars had come out in May. But I and I think that's where Star Wars is different than Marvel is because uh, Marvel movies, once they started came out, they just they went from zero to 60 really quick in their release schedules where Star Wars, we legitimately have had decades to simmer and stew on things and we're okay with waiting a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder, but wow, we're, ne- we're never going to make it through trivia if I keep interrupting you to talk about Star Wars. Sorry, sorry. Well,
0: we're here to talk about Star Wars, so feel free to jump in oh, anytime. Uh But talking about that, uh, it was originally released in May of 1983, so a little touchstone. And I saw the date that it was released, May 25th, was six years to the day of the release of A New Hope. So they were going yes. every other year with uh, the original trilogy. And then there was uh, a gap of what, how long was it? 15 years between end of this and the uh, Phantom Menace. When is Phantom Menace? 98. I want to say. So yeah, about 15
1: well, years. Well, if if you think about it though, there was those theatrical releases were a big deal of the special. Oh edition. yeah. The, the special. So,
0: uh, yeah. We'll, we'll touch on that.
1: Um, and, and so it was, it was maybe a decade because, a new hope came out, and they—I think they staggered them. They must have staggered them every year, and not every other year. Mm-hmm. So, do the, the special that, special so the special edition '95. So yeah, yeah. Releases. Sorry, the special editions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it must ten, twelve years somewhere around there for a the, theatrical releases of Star Wars.
0: Yeah. So I double checked. Uh, the uh, Return of the Jedi. It's uh, about sixteen years between Return of the Jedi and Phantom Menace. So for a new, uh, a new Star Wars story, and then you know that uh, trilogy wraps up the prequel trilogy, and then it's going to be another. Uh, good fifteen-year gap or so between that and now the sequel trilogy, and um, uh, and, and with the the Star Wars stories, uh, Rogue One and Solo interspersed uh, with those. But now we're getting a little gap. I cannot imagine it will be a, a decade-long gap. <laughs> there's there's no way Disney bought there's too much money yeah, to be made. And is going to allow another decade-long gap. But I, I, it's okay to have a little breather after a major trilogy uh, wraps up in the Star Wars universe. Yes and uh, Return of the Jedi was the top earning film of 1983. It earned 309 million dollars at the domestic box office, which is so much money for 1983 box office. that is
1: <laughs> yeah yeah thats that, that's a lot of money yeah
0: and uh, in the global box office it took in a total of 473 million and you've already mentioned it but in 1997 a special edition was released with some uh, digital alterations so some changes (laughs) uh, to scenes and some other edits here and there the most significant changes for Return of the Jedi were uh, a new musical number at Jabba's Palace so they replaced the previous one uh, with a heavily CGI'd uh, very very mobile group of aliens (laughs) where in the original it was uh, puppetry that had the, the singers pretty stationary and the song. Um, was a little more low key than what we get in the new version of uh, I can't remember the name of the song either version. I used to have it in my head. Oh, so much trivia has been in there.
1: Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's... Joe has Joe has forgotten more trivia about Star Wars than a lot of people will ever know. Just I can saying. still
0: name like most of the aliens in the Mos Eisley Cantina. Uh, <laughs> you know that that kind of trivia See, is my, still embedded.
1: That just makes my point. Like <laughs> you, the tri- the amount of trivia you know, just uh, like. Compa- and i'm not saying that you've forgotten it all i'm saying that just your aspect of oh i'm just that's not important trivia to remember anymore compared to <laughs> well, what a normal person would have so so brandon Staggering. just to to give you a sense
0: the old family tradition uh before the prequels even was for new year's eve to be watch all three star wars movies and play star wars trivial pursuit <laughs> and so yeah, there's been a, an accumulation of uh... in Joe's head for quite some time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Very nice.
0: Um, okay, so let's see. Other changes with the special edition. So the that, there's a different musical number at Java's Palace. There's a clamshell beak on the Sarlacc pit. I, I, I don't care for it. I prefer it to just be the pit. That worked for me. Uh, and then there's also a new song at the end of the film. I think those are the major changes for Return of the Jedi. With the special edition of A New Hope, like there were changes that... Are a little uh, more prominent so the most uh controversial being that greedo shoots first at han solo um and then there's the add-in of a scene with jabba the hut into a new hope that didn't exist in the original cut and the scene that they filmed had a human actor instead of the jabba the hut we get in return of the jedi uh so they have to do some weird cgi work to try and make that happen uh with this one i i mean the the musical number is pretty obvious but the clamshell that's actually a pretty minor thing i'm not you know
1: to, to i i that. will tell you i will tell you it is a little jarring to see all of the all of the modern effects layered over the top of classic practical filmmaking
0: well also it's, it's 1997 effects so at the time yes. i think we were all pretty impressed with what was there but it it doesn't hold up now 20 years later uh like you can tell the what is the cgi on uh, like you said was previously entirely practical effects for so many of them the creatures and everything
1: right right and not not even just the creatures the uh speeder bike chases that the it, it just struck me as a little different than it did when I watched it as a kid. Now granted, I do I, nostalgia messes with your brain, right. but still.
0: I do have so there's one DVD set that had a bonus disc with the original cut and it's not like the cleanest transfer and so uh it, it's definitely not the highest like a Blu-ray quality transfer at all. I do have that DVD set and so on car trips when my kids watch Star Wars, it is the original cut of Star Wars. But <laughs> now there's the convenience of disney plus which is the special editions of star wars so dad
1: i don't remember <laughs> this scene
0: they do know there's two different kinds of sarlaccs and i don't know that they entirely understand why <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't think george lucas understands why but that's okay
0: um, originally, this movie was titled Revenge of the Jedi, and there is a rare early poster for the film that has that title on it, but um, in the process of uh, the early days of marketing, George Lucas decided that uh, the quote is, no self-respecting Jedi would seek revenge, so it got changed to Return of the Jedi, uh, and I imagine, I've never checked, but I imagine that Revenge of the Jedi poster is incredibly valuable. Um uh, <laughs> i I saw actually like the way it, what happened um I think there was uh something on Wikipedia about it. Let me just double check uh so I get the details right that they uh they instead of scrapping those posters once they changed the title, they sold them for like nine bucks to the fan club. you could order the Revenge of the Jedi poster. And that I would imagine has a return on investment for anyone who paid. Yes, here it is. Uh, Lucasfilm stopped the shipping of Revenge of the Jedi posters and sold the remaining stock of 6,800 posters to Star Wars fan club members for $9.50. I imagine that that value has increased substantially since 1980. Well, so
1: from from what I'm finding on justcollecting.com... They range from about $300 to $1,000. Although on eBay, there's one listed for $22,000. That's one of those
0: wishful thinking posts on eBay that you look at it and like, does someone's algorithm get messed up or are they just hoping (laughs) someone just (laughs) pulls the trigger?
1: (laughs) But most of apparently, most of the dealers are like, yeah, these posters that we're asked to authenticate are actually fake and they're Oh, okay.
0: So, yeah, that would be the other part of it. So, if it's one of those original 6,000 that was sent to the Star Wars fan club members and you could authenticate that, I'm sure it would be pretty valuable.
1: Right, right.
0: Uh, but yeah, I hadn't thought about how many people would just go and print one now.
1: <laughs> I've got a plotter in my in my office. Let me just print my own. Yes.
0: <laughs> well, before we move on to the summary of Return of the Jedi listeners, we want to thank you for downloading this episode. And we especially want to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you'd like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special casts, which are shorter monthly episodes in which we talk about the media we've been consuming, but we have not broken down into a full episode of the Protagonist podcast yet. All patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. Now on to the spoiler summary. So at the end of... Uh, The Empire Strikes Back, the good guys had lost. Han Solo is frozen in carbonite and he is now being used as a wall decor in Jabba's palace. His friends plan a rescue. And if you have seen A New Hope when they want to get Princess Leia out of the detention cells, or Empire Strikes Back when Luke learns that his friends are in danger on Bespin. The extent of Luke's rescue plan is to go to the area where someone is being held and then hope for the best. <laughs> 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 and for Jabba's palace, they just want to flood the area with good guys. So they're going to get Leia, Lando, Chewbacca, R2-D2, C-3PO, and Luke Skywalker all inside of Jabba's hat palace with various reasons why it is not clear what the plan was after they're all inside. Uh, but most of them Get discovered and captured. Luke comes in and he uh, gets dropped into the Rancor pit and he is able to kill the Rancor which is this giant brown monster that uh, is just fantastic creature design the Rancor's keeper uh, Malakili is heartbroken which is a scene that always gets to me but Luke is still captured so even though he defeated the Rancor he's still trapped uh, by Java Uh, Luke and friends are taken out on Java's sail barge to be thrown into the Sarlacc pit but after Luke does an awesome flip off of the plank and over the Sarlacc pit as R two D two launches his lightsaber to him, the good guys battle their way out and free Han Solo. And that flip is one of the highlights of all film history for me. It is such a good. This movie.
1: is this is one of one of the this is the scene where I think I fell in love with lightsabers. Just saying
0: <laughs> when, when Luke, so it's, it's like, think pirate ship plank being walked out over this. Uh, it's called the sail barge, So a lot of pirate imagery is happening, even though they're floating over a desert and there's this pit in the ground, but Luke steps off the plank, spins around in the air, grabs the edge edge of the, uh, the plank and, you know, uses the bounce to then propel himself up and this awesome flip as R2-D2 is launching the lightsaber and Luke catches the lightsaber and ignites it as he's landing. It is all glorious action scene for a child or an adult. I don't care. This is what film is meant to be doing, right here.
1: A, a quote from my from my five year old literally was, "This is really cool." <laughs> as we were watching that scene, yeah,
0: yeah, and uh, agreed. You can tell your five year old that he has excellent taste, or she. I don't know your five year old. It, it was a she. Okay, that she, she has she, excellent she, taste. Yes. Um, So now most of this group leaving Jabba's palace are going to go back to the rebel base to make plans to address the Empire's second larger Death Star that is under construction. But Luke is going to stop off on Dagobah to see Yoda. While Luke pesters Yoda with questions, Yoda dies. And then Force Ghost Obi-Wan shows up and tells Luke that he has a twin sister. Luke thinks about this for a few seconds and concludes his sister must be the only woman he has ever met in the galaxy, Leia. Uh, The rebels plan to send a strike team down to the force moon of Endor. Because on Endor There's a shield projector that is protecting the Death Star that is being constructed in orbit around Endor. Well, the forced moon of Endor. And when they say the forced moon of Endor, even I I, I have found like conflicting things. Is this a moon that is named Endor, but it's forested, so they call it the forced moon? Or is this a forested moon around a planet, planet Endor? I think it is the latter, but I've also seen like supposedly official things saying the opposite. (laughs)
1: So this is the hand wavy thing, the retcon thing that I was mentioning earlier, and it came about because of the sequel trilogy, mm-hmm. because at the end of the sequel trilogy, you end up on a different moon of Endor, Okay. Uh, and the planet is Endor, and I believe this moon specifically is Endor's fourth
0: moon. Okay, so now the planet is Endor, this is a moon of Endor, not the fourth moon of Endor.
1: <laughs> I mean, it might have been different back in the day, but the current retcons have, this, ha- have it that way.
0: okay. Um, Han Solo volunteers to go and lead the strike team that is going to try and take down the shield projector. and Chewbacca will go with him. Luke arrives in time to volunteer to go as well. Once the shield is down, a fleet of ships led by Admiral Akbar, have to give him a shout out, will attempt to blow up the Death Star's core. Lando will be flying the Millennium Falcon on that part of the mission. And he's been made a general because in the Rebellion, you can just get any rank you want, it seems. <laughs>
1: well i mean it's not like they've got the rebel academy (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) he he likes doesn't like they must have heard about my little maneuver at the battle of snap so they made you a general (laughs) because you successfully (laughs) must have survived one battle seems to be what he's saying i don't know uh the strike team has mixed success in trying to blow up the bunker that is going to have the shield projector there is an awesome speeder bike chase with some imperial scout troopers which is another fantastic part i don't know how anyone can complain about Return of the Jedi when it has Jabba's Palace and now the speeder bike t- chase it's such a, it's
1: such a great opening for this movie like it's paced differently than the other movies mm-hmm. so yeah anyway we can save that keep keep going yeah. sorry I just love
0: this movie yeah. <laughs> uh, during the speeder bike Leia gets separated uh, from from the group during this chase she is found by Wicket an adorable Ewok who takes her to her village and the Ewoks are basically um, teddy bears that is what we're
1: doing. He, he's a fierce Ewok yes
0: he has a spear Um, but he is a teddy bear. (laughs) And he's adorable. Uh, Luke, Han, Chewbacca, and some unnamed rebels are captured by the Ewoks, and when they are taken to the village where Leia is now accepted and will like, she uh, convinces the Ewoks to let them go. So it seems like they're about to eat Han and Luke and others Uh, but Princess Leia is now a princess of the Ewok village it seems and she just tells everyone hey they're my friends and so the Ewoks let let everyone go Uh, C-3PO fortunately is able to begin communicating with uh, the Ewoks very quickly Luke tells Leia that she's his sister and Vader is their father she says somehow she's always known which makes some of their earlier kisses uh, even more inappropriate (laughs) Luke says he must go confront Vader and he leaves and he surrenders to the Imperials who take him up to the Death Star where Vader and the Emperor are awaiting the rebels attack. The rebels on Endor team up with the Ewoks to attack the Imperial forces, but they, uh, they are late in getting the shield down. So the rebel fleet shows up and the shield is still up around the Death Star. The Emperor taunts Luke into a duel with Darth Vader. We get some great cross-cutting action of Ewoks fighting stormtroopers on the moon of Endor. There's the space battle with all the spaceships uh, blasting each other and flying around. And there's the lightsaber battle between Luke and Vader. Luke cuts off Vader's hand. The Emperor urges him to kill the wounded Vader, but Luke turns off his lightsaber and throws it away, saying he is a Jedi and won't be tempted to turn to the dark side. The Emperor attacks Luke with force lightning. Han and friends are able to get the shield down. The Rebel fleet begins to run into the core of the Death Star. The Emperor is torturing Luke when Vader rises and grabs the Emperor with one hand and one stump, and then picks him up and throws him down a wide open shaft, because this was designed by the Imperials. There are, of course, shafts everywhere. Uh,
1: shafts and no handrails. Exactly.
0: Uh Vader collapses, Luke tries to rescue him. He takes Darth Vader's helmet off and Anakin Skywalker tells Luke that he was right. There was still good in him. Then Anakin dies. Luke pilots a shuttle off the Death Star just as Lando detonates the core and the Death Star explodes and then everyone parties with the Ewoks down on Endor and it is a different song uh depending on which version I love that of the film. Too. I like the first version a little bit more <laughs> than the second one.
1: You, wait, the wait, Yub wait, 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 is wait, wait. The first wait, wait. version, yeah, yeah. I forgot they changed that. I, I I don't care what the song they ever play is, that's the Yub is the one that I hear in my head,
0: yeah. <laughs> even, even if you're watching the special edition,
1: <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll, I'll mute it for that one, I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, the end of Emperor, uh, Return of the Jedi and Star Wars, as far as we knew at the time. Episode six was the end, and we only had three episodes,
1: okay. Before we talk about anything actual Star Warsy, you have mentioned your love of Ewoks a, a fair amount of times. Have you ever watched the show How I Met Your Mother? I have
0: not. I, I mean, okay, like there... I've seen that episode here or there. I kind of know who the characters are. Like I'm familiar enough with it that I, I can follow some, but I have not. Seen okay,
1: so, the, so so there's an there's an episode where Ted is dating this girl. And she start and and she they start talking about Star Wars, and she mentions that she loved the Ewoks, and all of the sudden, Barney and Ted they're like she's too young for me, because there is a there's a what they call the Ewok line that if you were born before nineteen May twenty fifth nineteen seventy three, then uh then the you don't like the ewoks you think they're bad but if you were born after return of the jedi then you like ewoks
0: yeah so i'm 82 so i never saw return of the jedi in the theater so i would be in the uh i was first saw them as a kid so i thought they were cute and awesome
1: yeah you were you were the uh you were what they would call the yay ewoks side of right. it um so i i don't know that they're wrong cuz nostalgia right but at the same time I don't think the ewoks are that bad, like they're not great in terms of like hey we we need a story. what can we do they're They're just a little more practical, but i and I don't know if this is true or not, but uh apocryphally, maybe they wanted instead of uh being Endor or uh, Ewoks, they wanted it to be Kashyyyk and Wookies. Yes,
0: I've heard that multiple times, and I, and, but it's one of those, have I just heard it so often, I accept it as true, but I don't know the original source for that rumor.
1: <laughs> yes, I mean, that's how we do all of our fact-checking nowadays. If you've heard it enough, it's true, so we'll just call it true. Right.
0: But uh, George Lucas, uh, famously, um, in, when the first Star Wars was coming out, uh, at, he had signed his deal with uh Fox to make the first Star Wars and then his film um oh why was I blinking on his car film what is his car film uh, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue T
1: T no American Graffiti American Graffiti no.
0: Yeah American Graffiti yeah. came out and became a much better bigger hit than anyone expected and 20th Century Fox fully expected George Lucas to come and renegotiate for a higher upfront fee or a higher percentage of the profits and all he said was like can I have the merchandising uh, that's all I want <laughs> And and they're like, sweet, yeah, take the merchandising. Uh, Because at the time, the the mindset was kids don't want merchandise from movies, they want merchandise from TV. Because you will only see the movies once in a theater, but you're going to see TV shows every Saturday. Or, you know, you're going to be exposed to the TV products much more frequently. So that's where the toy money was going to be found, not from uh, movie merchandising. George Lucas and saw a change boy were on they the horizon wrong. and made a, a lot of money off of the Star Wars <laughs> merchandising. And uh, so one argument, or, or, or people who are on the nay Return of the Jedi side, or nay Ewok side of Return of the Jedi, say that clearly the Ewoks were just a merchandising grab where they thought they could sell a lot of stuffed animal Ewoks uh, rather than uh, you know something that was narratively driven. Though I think there is some cool narrative work with the idea of uh, the... The more primitive natural culture of the Ewoks this very nature-based versus the cold technology of the Empire. Um, I think there's some themes there that negate somewhat that argument. But I I I can also see where they're coming from. Uh, But I will say also for me now, the prism through which I am viewing Star Wars is through my children's engagement with it uh like mm-hmm. like a lot of my enjoyment of Star Wars isn't me sitting down to watch Star Wars it is sitting down to watch it with my kids or uh seeing my kids play with Star Wars toys and you know my my 4-year-old running around with with uh a Millennium Falcon toy making laser sounds all day long like that pew, pew, that pew, is my pew. joy uh a- a- <laughs> and that is where i'm now engaging with Star Wars a lot um and they my you know my kids love the Ewoks they think they're cute they love Wicket and therefore a Wicket gets a complete pass for me and as do the Ewoks
1: well, so, I mean, here, here's the thing, like, George Lucas, no matter what you say about him, the, the original Star Wars trilogy was very political. Mm-hmm. And you got to think, when this came out, Vietnam was a thing, right? Yes.
0: And he's acknowledged and so- that the idea of the Ewoks uh, defeating the Empire, and everyone said that's ridiculous. He's like, the Viet Cong gave the technologically superior Americans... Uh, a very, very, very hard time in Vietnam. And that was part of the inspiration.
1: Yes. And, and so it's like, I think, I, I think there is something to be said about taking such a dark and scary topic and dressing it up like a teddy bear, Mm -hmm. um, you know, sending teddy bears to war, uh, is, I, I think there's something there. I don't know if he meant for it initially, but it sure has, uh, made a point and resonated there. So is he the best storyteller? No, but he does know how to make a good visual.
0: Oh, yeah. The, and like whatever your issues are with George Lucas and a lot of that I think comes out of the prequels more than this trilogy. Um, he absolutely transformed pop culture forever. <laughs> and you, you cannot try and take that away, even if you don't like that he added Midaclorians later on in the Star Wars trilogy or in the Star <laughs> Wars saga
1: right right and i i don't know it's it's hard to it's hard to talk about how the some people don't like the ewoks but at the end of the day this is a kid's show mm-hmm. this is a show for kids and it's good versus evil
0: well and also it, oh, it's, it's uh the fairy tale element these are like the woodland creatures that are helping out our heroes that is so classic to fairy tales and also not, not just fairy tales in general, but like our uh, modern consumption of fairy tales through the lens of Disney from the 1930s on is, you know, it's it's about nature helps the heroes uh, against the villains. And that is absolutely a continuation of of that theme.
1: So I, I think this is one of those movies like I'm going to say like the Pixar movies almost where they are for kids. But not only kids enjoy them. And so I think when you brush up against the elements that are like, oh, yeah, this, this initially was a, kid's, a, a a show that was thought of for kids, the people who are like, well, I, I am much more mature than this, they, have, they, they kind of ruffle a little bit saying, wait, wait, this is my show. This is not a kid's show but i don't know i as much as as much as i love star wars and can find so many deep meanings in it you, no one will ever convince me that it's not a show for children
0: yeah i'm i'm with you on that and like I said, like my primary enjoyment with Star Wars right now is having interest to my kids and seeing their engagement with it and like their w- sense of wonder that comes from like the ideas, so many of the ideas of this world, like lightsabers uh, or the force or lasers, you know, the, even blasters, you know, like all, all those things uh, that um, really fire the imagination of a kid. Lightsabers. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and my inner child.
0: Yes. <laughs> And and uh there there's big business in, in uh helping adults find that inner child for the high-end lightsaber market.
1: <laughs> Can we talk about one of the one of the groups that should be controversial, but it's not? You literally have space Nazis in this film and space Hitler in this film. And yet, you have people idolizing them. You have people who are like, "Yes, the, their design is amazing. Stormtrooper design and Darth Vader's design is amazing." But man, I don't get the people who are like, "Yeah, I, I, I'm part of the Empire." I, it's oh, like,
0: it's, it's like, like um, within Star Wars fandom, like the was it the 501st Legion, which is yes. the the heavy cosplaying for star for stormtroopers, which, which like is extreme attention to detail, uh, is so much more prominent than any other cosplay that I can
1: think of. So I mean you've got the Mandalorian Mercs uh but so the 501st Legion though I believe and I don't know which one came first but the it also had to do with clone wars uh when the when the clone troopers were the good guys mm, okay um I I don't know if the if the if it was named the 501st after the cosplay group or the cosplay group was named after the clone wars so it could be either way I guess but I Yeah, like there are a lot of people who are like, I'm going to be a stormtrooper. I'm like, you realize that is literally an analog for a Nazi, right? Yeah,
0: they're called stormtroopers. Like we're, we're, he's not being subtle. <laughs> when, yeah, when he calls but, the, the bad guys stormtroopers, that is a reference to Nazis.
1: Right. But I, I, I do think, but he doesn't, he calls them the bad guys and he makes them the bad guys. But he also doesn't, he doesn't flat out say these are Nazis, which a lot of people need you to say something like that uh he he re- he makes them faceless he makes them nameless he makes them almost not accountable because they were just following orders well, and right? even
0: there was uh, like and until the prequels i still remember uh like questioning like are stormtroopers people or are those like robots <laughs> like <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and, 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 and then we realize that you know, they're they're clones for uh, at least through the prequel trilogy, and and uh, you know by the time they were in the sequels that they're, they're they're recruits, you know, or, or- they're, yeah. they're conscripted, children, yeah, conscripted kidnapped children,
1: kidnapped children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and so I, I don't know. I like that is one of the controversial elements of this show that never like no, it just normalizes. Like Darth Vader's my favorite bad guy. It's like, yeah, and I like Hitler. Like <laughs> I, I I know that's a. <laughs> I I know it's a piece of entertainment, mm-hmm. but I I really struggle with somebody who who just loves the Empire.
0: Yeah, I, I, there's so much removal that is done with the idea of the galaxy far far away, and so much of it is about the design. Which the design elements of all of Star Wars, I think, are astounding. But there is oh, yeah. something that is very visually evocative about uh you know the the sea of stormtroopers and Darth Vader striding at the front of it. Um, so you can understand that allure, I think, but. Uh it is a little bit odd to me that you can see so much more uh imperial cosplay than uh rebel or uh uh Jedi cosplay.
1: And there are Jedi groups, there's just I I don't know of any group that is really as organized as the 501st. Mm-hmm. So
0: uh I can tell you my four-year-old though, he very much just wants to be Luke Skywalker in his X-Wing pilot costume. That is his only place <laughs> for costume. <laughs> He, good on him he, like, he likes the bright him. orange <laughs> <I> Of <love>
1: that. <laughs> and can i just say it's really I, th- I think it's really neat how the how the rebels have a very distinct aesthetic as well like it's very different than the empire because it's not the same design but you you look at an x-wing uniform and you're like oh that those are those are the rebels like mm-hmm. there's never a question is that a normal person or is that a rebel? <laughs> yeah. You're like, mm, no, those are the rebels.
0: Well, even the spaceships are so distinct in their uh, visual. Like, you don't, you never feel lost in the space battle um, following, um, you know, which side is which.
1: Right, right.
0: And, and like both the X-Wing and the TIE Fighter, like those are glorious designs. Like so well done and so iconic, like instantly iconic. Uh, spaceship designs and when you when you think about spaceship designs there's been so many in in sci-fi and there's a few that like just instantly stand out so so the enterprise the x-wings millennium falcon tie fighters uh but then there's also so many that kind of just get lost because it's just spaceship <laughs> you know
1: yeah exactly exactly oh like the, the design so the uh from the very beginning with the concept of ralph McQuarrie's concept art to the nuts and bolts of, uh, I can't remember his first name, Dykstra is, is his last name, but like the model makers and all of that. They just, they they are masters of what they do. And it's just like, I, I, I watched some videos. It's like, yes, this was made out of this. And they grab a calculator, you know, they grab a flash handle and put some calculator bits on it and and put another couple greeblies on it. John and that Dykstra. was their term. Yeah john dexter thank you uh to just little bits and pieces and then all of a sudden a normal everyday item becomes a lightsaber Mm -hmm. or uh or becomes something that is from a long time ago in a galaxy far far away it's just the people who who've designed star wars just did an amazing job uh Um, yeah yeah and it's i can't say But we're
0: talking about like what helps all this come together because there's so much of this that could become hokey and just laughable if it wasn't that perfect amalgamation of of uh all the filmic elements coming together the sound design by ben burton the score by john williams like make everything work um, I think if you remove either of those, like the speeder bike chase just becomes kind of weird. <laughs> if you don't have the, the <laughs> awesome whir of the speeder bikes and the pounding score of, of John Williams, like it just elevates everything so wonderfully. And you get, like you said, the physical work that is done by um and, and and these other uh people who are in many cases like inventing practical effects for the first time like oh we need this so let's figure it out uh and then you get the the post editing work done by ben burt to add the perfect sound effect that just Sounds like Star Wars. I don't know how to describe it other than, well, that is what a lightsaber should sound like, obviously. Uh, you know, he finds that.
1: <laughs> well, okay. So, so sound design and sound effect. Like, there's the scene where C-3PO is telling all the Ewoks about the epic of Star Wars, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he, make, he, he he's talking in their language, and so you pick out names. But then you also hear lightsabers, and you hear X-Wings fighting TIE fighters, and you're all and those sounds bring you back to all of it Mm -hmm. and you know i i think that was one of i think that's an early form of pandering to the nerds (laughs) because it was like if you've seen star wars you love the scene if you haven't you're like okay i guess
0: (laughs) yes Uh, well i mean you get the cute ewok reactions right (laughs) if if, if you know (laughs) so there's still something there for you
1: (laughs) right right exactly i mean who doesn't love ewoks Monsters, (laughs) monsters.
0: <laughs> and, you know, you almost don't even have to say it, but John Williams' score is amazing in, in all the stories.
1: Yeah, I comes. mean, <laughs> it's just it's just a given.
0: Alright, but talking about Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi, uh, he is definitely our protagonist of this trilogy uh, of films. Like, he is the one who's going on the hero's journey and is being transformed through this all. Um, and, you know, we open up in A New Hope with him kind of longing to say, I want to fight against the Empire, but he, he's not really willing to commit to doing that he does obviously, you know, blow up the Death Star at the end of the first film, uh, and then he, you know, <laughs> in terms of the progression, which you were mentioning in your last, like getting some more training to become a Jedi uh, in in Empire Strikes Back. We're not quite clear how long uh, has passed between these, but he now announces that he is a Jedi Knight, uh, not a Jedi Master, but a Jedi Knight uh, at the beginning of Return of the Jedi, um, and th- there's like. Multiple times it's acknowledged that he's a Jedi Knight now. Uh, you know, that yeah. There's congrats.
1: there's a scene with Vader like, "Oh, you've built your lightsaber. You you have finished your training." Mm-hmm.
0: And and Han Solo's like, "Jedi Knight, delusions of grandeur." <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so we know this is a different Luke. Um, and but but how is Luke different in Return of the Jedi versus the A New Hope? luke
1: too. i mean he's got a cool black
0: costume well yeah visually he's he's uh like he goes through uh, he's wearing white in a new hope and then it's gray and uh really muddied up uh grayness in empire strikes back and then now black in return of the jedi uh which certainly allows i think that i would imagine there was fan spe- speculation of like what if he goes bad and when you see him show up in all black you would wor- start to worry about that
1: <laughs> you know, I think. oh and, and and that was a legitimate concern back in the day because his dad was space hitler mm-hmm. And so, like, okay, is he is he going evil? Is And I think in one of those first scenes in Jabba's palace, I think he force-choked one of the guards. At, yes, least, at the very least, one of the guards grabs do. his neck. It's the
0: Gamorrean guard. Uh, he yeah. he, he Luke motions with his hand, and the guard acts like it's choking and falls backwards.
1: Yeah, and so it's like, he he could go either way. But, I mean, there's, there's the prophecy of bringing balance to the force, right? Mm-hmm. Who we we understood to be Luke and then it ended up being Darth Vader. And then there's arguments for it being Ray. Like that's the problem with prophecies, right? <laughs>
0: yes, there's definitely some ambiguity there. <laughs> um, So yeah, there there's the chance that he's going to go dark, but um, if you remember last Jedi being one of those moments of fan controversy for uh star Wars saga. And a lot of people were angry that the first time we see really see Luke in the sequel saga, the first thing he does is uh, Ray hands him the lightsaber and he throws it down and it was producer Andrew who actually pointed out to me that the last thing we see Luke do when he declares that he's a Jedi, like his father is throw away his weapon. He throws away the lightsaber in return of the Jedi. And that is the last time we've seen him with a Jedi on film until he is throwing away the lightsaber that Ray hands him in, uh, in, in the last Jedi. And uh when, we first meet luke like he kind of wistfully is talking about wanting to fight against the empire and you know there's this rebellion against the empire but when he is now fully formed and you know becoming the jedi master that uh, you know all the fans want him to be his choice is to throw down his weapon and say i'm a jedi now i'm not going to fight you <laughs> uh so there's a a major shift that happens there
1: yes yes
0: and I guess one question that I have while we're on this, you know, the filming called return of the Jedi, and we ran into this with the last Jedi as well. Uh, like the, the Jedi, what, what is Jedi referring to? Cause Jedi could be the Jedi order. does Luke represent the return of the Jedi order uh, or does uh, return of the Jedi refer to uh, Anakin Skywalker returning uh, and no longer being a Sith Lord, but becoming a, a Jedi again by, by throwing the emperor down the shaft. Like, is it re- who is it referring to in your mind?
1: that well that that's a that's a tough question because i think young brandon was like oh this is luke he is a fully actualized jedi now so when he fights a sith he's able to hold his own right Yeah. Uh, whereas in empire he was he was a jedi trainee and got his hand cut cut off and now he's able yeah. to cut off the sith hand because he's he's yeah. he's the jedi now yeah. And so it, I, I there there's clearly arguments for that. Um up until the rise of Skywalker, I have always I've always been in the camp of no, space Hitler does not get to be redeemed. And there's not a redemption story. Rise of Skywalker changed my opinion on some of those things. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I <laughs> and so uh, until maybe this year I probably would not have even entertained an idea of anakin skywalker returning so i i I very much feel like it was now there's things you can read into it but i really feel like the intention was truly that the jedi have returned through luke skywalker and he is not he's not going to mess around he is going to Destroy the Sith. I think I'm with uh, you
0: in that where I've always kind of taken it and maybe it's just because that was how I took it as a kid that Luke represents the return of the Jedi Order and that is the return that is being referenced in the in the movie title.
1: I mean, it was marketers that came up with the title anyway, so it doesn't really matter.
0: <laughs> um, With you, you talked about Vader's redemption and in our show notes, I put Vader's redemption with a question mark. uh uh, you know he throws uh the emperor down and it's like he gets a very brief conversation with luke and it's kind of like everything is fine and then um on endor during the big celebration you see force ghost obi-wan force ghost yoda and then when i was a kid i was like who's the third guy (laughs) <laughs> like there's another right. horse ghost that shows up, and I I remember my parents had to explain. or you know, my dad saying like, right, "It's Anakin, it, it, it's his dad." And I was like, "Really?" That, uh, and and then in the special why, edition, why, why is he wearing the Darth
1: Vader mask? It,
0: it's Hayden Christensen now in the uh, the special edition, right? They they subbed out. Yes. Um. So that removes some of that ambiguity. Where for a while, I just remember like, who's this third bozo that's glowing blue over here? Uh, <laughs> but that you know that is clearly meant to say Anakin is is back in the club uh, you know he, he's been redeemed he's a Jedi again and I think it didn't like I, I didn't really it didn't bother me obviously he's you know blown up Alderaan it's not like he's an innocent at all but then when we get the prequel trilogy and Anakin particularly like murdering the younglings it feels like when he appears as a force ghost in Return of the Jedi uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda should be like get out <laughs> now <laughs> <laughs> you're not allowed right. here you you killed the Uglings and also uh brought down the entire jedi order single-handedly
1: well so well not single-handedly and, and,
0: uh, uh, <laughs> under the corruption of the emperor i guess they're, they're right just- right <laughs> I
1: mean, there is so when i as i've always watched this movie luke is like there's goodness in him i know it and i always saw that as a whiny kid from a new hope that was Saying, I can't believe my dad is a bad guy. My dad would never be a bad guy. And refusing to accept reality. Where uh and and so I was like, no, no, that's not a redemption. That's Luke refusing to see the facts in front of his face. Um and then as I as I thought about the sequel trilogy and the way that Ray kept trying to redeem Kylo and kept and ultimately kept saying, There's good in him, and I know he can return. I saw that as a, you know what? Our place as the good guys is to always offer a hand out to the bad guys to say, come back, join us, be part of us. You'll make us better if you will be good. And it's not our place to condemn them. It's not our place to say, no, you killed younglings out. You're, you don't get to be a force ghost. Uh, And I never, I I never saw that before. Rise of Skywalker, and I know a lot. I I read a lot into that to get to that point. I know that. I'm like I said at the beginning. I'm an apologist, but Ray's, Ray's, and and it did waver. I was about to say unwavering faith that Kylo could be redeemed, uh, taught us a lesson. But no, it, it did. It did waver. She did give up on him for a little bit, but ultimately she followed the path of the Jedi, which helped her to understand. No, there's still good in him, even though he's a terrible person, he can be redeemed. And it's not our job to be judge, jury, and executioner, or even judge and jury. It's just our job to be there in case anybody does want to try to come back. Somebody else can be judge and jury, but it's not us. So I thought that was very, I, I, after Rise of Skywalker and I and I sat and thought about it for a while, I really think that, you know what, Vader's redemption can stand. It doesn't mean he's red. Deemed, I'm splitting hairs here. Uh, I don't think he's redeemed because he's done a lot of bad things. But obviously he's still alive in some form or other. And so there are things that he can be doing to continue earning his redemption, I guess. But he he decided, ultimately, I'm going to be a good guy. and And that's where he ended his mortal life. And now he's in the Jedi ghost realm. And he's able to make some changes over there i don't know i don't know like i'm a, I, I i'm head canoning things way into this and i know that but i really like I, I really like the idea of no one's too far to be gone but you've got to, but then i also am the same guy who's like this space hitler he's too far to be gone so <laughs> it's hard it's hard it's like i'm of two minds on this topic
0: i think what i like and maybe i'm understanding it a little bit more like my take on it from what you're saying is i i am 100 percent with the good guys reaching out and saying come be better but i don't know that i'm there with the idea that that last act of throwing the emperor down the shaft would be enough to get him to uh force jedi heaven <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> does that make yeah, sense like yeah. like uh I like that the good guys see good and want to inspire that goodness in everyone uh even those that they are fighting most violently against um however uh does you know one last act make up for everything that happens in Revenge of the Sith or a new hope maybe not. <laughs>
1: Right and also, also I mean you've also got to look at this in terms of a trilogy cuz this is the end of a trilogy. Uh Empire we leave empire and everyone had failed. Everyone you know Han was captured, Cloud you know Lando had messed things up, Luke had lost his hands. Every hand everything was everything was just terrible. And and then uh, the, the Return of the Jedi is about redemption. Everybody is redeemed in this, even Darth Vader, to an extent. Um, I'll put a caveat there every time. <laughs> but uh, so narratively, it it continues that thread. I, I'm not one of those who think that thinks that George Lucas had a master plan from day one, because I think he did a lot of oh, this by the seat of his pants. Oh, we
0: talked about that in our uh, in our episode about uh, Empire Strikes Back um and when i was looking at trivia i came across like some breakdowns of the first script and in the first script uh it is vader is not luke's father in the first script of empire strikes back that is something that comes along in later drafts so even if uh some of his comments have been interpreted or he has outright said like oh i i had a vision for what this would all be a- along the way it there's ample evidence that revision is happening as this is moving forward
1: yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, and so it's, he He didn't have a master plan, but I do think that he was like, okay, this last one, everyone failed, and so now I have to bring it back, like, if you're, if you're looking at it, the narrative story arc from, the, for, for the trilogy, it's like, oh, obviously I have to do that, uh, people did not like Empire at all, well, I'm not gonna say at all, because they still got return, but people did not like Empire, and if you read the reviews from right after Empire came out, people didn't like it, because it left, he didn't leave the theater happy.
0: Yeah. The good guys lost. <laughs> like it is such yeah. a downer
1: of, yeah. a, of a finale of a film. And, uh, I, I, I personally don't think empire would be considered by many as the best film of the trilogy. If return of the Jedi had not redeemed everybody, hmm. including Vader.
0: I, and like thinking about that arc of, um, audiences like seeing, Empire Check's back, but knowing there's gonna be another one, uh, but like really struggling with that finale. I I wonder how audiences' reactions would have been different to Avengers Infinity War, (laughs) you know, if if we hadn't been somewhat trained (laughs) by by franchise. I I will tell you,
1: I. To, I I am on the record on my podcast. I did not like Infinity War until I got Endgame. Right.
0: Well, and, and, and then there's gonna be a reassessment because because it's not just that you know there's a different ending coming. It's uh like when you go back and revisit something, you're gonna have different emotional beats that come. uh I, I I think that happens with anything, but particularly when there's like a continuing story and you now have the next chapter of that continuing story. You go back and revisit that earlier chapter, and uh, somehow your experiences as a viewer is be completely different and. Uh, yeah. and Emotional uh, reaction is going to be achieved.
1: Yeah, and, you know the the same thing happened with the second Lord of the Rings movie. uh It's just, it, I mean, like you said, it's we've been trained for it now, but people do not like do not like it if you do not redeem your your abyss movie, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I I just I laugh though because I it makes me think of uh a discussion I had with my son about Doctor Who years ago. I was watching Doctor Who and I figured, ah, oh, it's good enough for i think he i think he was like five or six at the time like i can have it on in the tv he'll be fine even though some of the episodes are scary he'll be fine i'll just tell him just remember the doctor always wins the doctor always wins the doctor always wins and then we got to a two-part episode and at the end of the episode (laughs) the doctor lost and was locked up for forever and with no escape in sight and he's like dad you said the doctor always wins (laughs) and i was like wait wait this is a marathon give it enough time to get through this commercial break and you'll be fine.
0: (laughs) Yeah. just One more chapter in the story.
1: Yeah. 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 So we, uh, we watched that and he was fine then, but that was, I mean, that's the exact same thing here,
0: but even uh, like a a somewhat similar experience. My, uh, my seven year old uh, was uh, looking at my graphic novels and I saw him. He was looking at death of Superman and he just looked like betrayed and <laughs> like, he wasn't actually reading it. He was just kind of flipping through and like Superman's getting beat up by doomsday. And then I showed him like, there's, here's the sequel. It's called the return of Superman. <laughs> Let me just, yeah, I want you to know. Cause I could tell like, he was like, getting weirded out by this story being called the death of superman I'm like but here's the next part the return of superman
1: <laughs> my my mother bought me five five copies of the death of superman i have the armband and everything oh yeah because because superman was dying
0: yes it is worth slightly less than the day it was printed
1: <laughs> you try to <and> tell <laughs> that
0: <laughs> because right? so many millions of copies were, were produced at the time and well yes. not just produced but then bought and preserved because everyone said "Ooh, this one's gonna be worth money <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, because Superman's dying. No, whatever stays dead. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. We've we've been trained now. That same trick doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, return is Return of the Jedi. I think even more than Luke representing the Jedi Order returning. uh maybe maybe it means return of the glory days, and maybe it's just marketing speak. Who knows? (laughs) But it's. it's it's a it's a redemption from this is bad now we're going back to good even though if you watch the clone wars good was never as good as it as as people remembered
0: yes uh, i yeah Uh, in in expanding the universe out through all the tv shows the books the graphic novels the comic books like everything um you know there's so many different takes and more nuance that gets added uh but i think there is something uh pure about like the the core ur er text of these films that like okay here's what star wars really is and if you are you know want to engage with all the ancillary materials that have been produced you can you broaden and deepen your fandom you know in those ways but uh, there's something that's pretty amazing about that original trilogy
1: <laughs> yeah let, let me let me let me ask you though so star wars has become a mixed media narrative where it's got comics and Mm -hmm. tv shows and cartoons and movies and books and uh i'm sure they'll figure out ways to do even more media i mean heck even the experience in disneyland batu is is part of the narrative how do you feel about that versus these original trilogies just being the movies and you could watch the movies and that was it um
0: (sighs) to gather my thoughts i guess uh like the original movies are always there uh, like whenever anyone complains about something ruining their childhood i'm like the, the product <laughs> that you loved is does still exists you know whatever whatever it may yes. be uh and so you can always go revisit that and uh your reaction is gonna be different not because uh necessarily of um because you know there's so much other material that you yourself has changed as an audience member <laughs> so, you know so there's that that you're not going to recapture the same experience um that you had sitting in the theater watching, uh, you know, Empire Strikes Back, and, and finding out that Vader is is Luke's father for the first time. You're never going to recapture that. That is impossible. <laughs> um, uh, but you can still go rewatch those movies, and you know they still exist. Uh, but you know, at various points, I've been more engaged, and then other times less engaged with all the extra material that exists around Star Wars. So when they first started to do the novels in the '90s, when it seemed like we were never going to get another Star Wars movie, and like the only way to engage with star Wars again was through these novelizations. I read so many of those dozens and dozens of (laughs) star Wars (laughs) novels, which now don't count. Like they're no longer canon, but you know what? I actually went and um, uh, through uh, my library, like I, they had audiobooks of that first uh, Timothy Zahn trilogy that I remember loving and rereading multiple times when I was, you know, 12, 13, 14. And so I, I listened to the audiobook of those, even though they're now labeled as like a Legends audiobook, saying this is a story. And guess what? I still enjoyed it. It was still a good story, even though I know it doesn't count in the grand continuity um, of Star Wars. And so I think it's kind of like you got to find what you, what you're going to enjoy with Star Wars, and you can completely ignore the other stuff. Uh, I've recently written a, a paper for an essay collection on Star Wars and transmedia storytelling that looks at the old uh, '80s Ewoks and droids cartoons, um, which seemed like it should have been a slam dunk to continue the Star Wars uh narrative universe uh by putting uh you know uh Ewoks as a Saturday morning cartoon and droids as a Saturday morning cartoon uh but in my paper I, I I argue that one reason why those maybe didn't work as well is it kind of disentangles the two genres that are most prominently blended in Star Wars where Ewoks becomes a fantasy uh kids cartoon and droids becomes mm-hmm. a sci-fi kids cartoon and they don't interact like in ewoks you almost never see any technology there's no empire you know like like that's all gone and in in droids it's all just sci-fi spaceships and there's no force there's no none of the mysticism of fantasy and so you end up with products that uh have characters that you saw on the big screen now as cartoons but it doesn't really feel the same and it's not just that it was being moved into saturday morning cartoons i think it lost some of uh the the essence of star wars by uh disentangling those two genres
1: so what you're saying is without Baby Yoda force choking people, the Mandalorian would have been a flop.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I'm trying to think like what are besides that or do we have some force? Ele- I mean, there's definitely a sense of mysticism around the Mandalorian code and the way that they interact. It's not as explicit as the force, but I think they're still this keeping, is the way. Yeah, they're still keeping some of that. Um, uh, a sense of supernatural about the 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 secrecy and and every everything that's there, uh, but you do have force maybe yoda uh using the force and you do have a lightsaber at the end so you know you are getting some of those um elements you know like the lightsabers at its core that's a magic sword that's what that is <laughs> it's not <laughs> sure we can say it's, a, it's like crystal channeling energy but you know that's a fairy tale magic sword uh yes. and, and so having that at the end like just is another like grounding of star wars as you know both crazy spaceships and jet packs and blasters but magic swords and the force are, are going to be a part of this too
1: Yes, yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I have to ask you, which lightsaber, or maybe which style of lightsaber, is your favorite? It's, uh, I
0: mean, I, I, I literally couldn't tell you how many lightsaber hilts exist in my house right now. <laughs> <laughs> none of the most fancy ones it's just like uh you know uh a land, two different kids built their own lightsabers at the, you know the store and you know various christmases and birthdays they've been given lightsabers i think i really like the original the what luke has you know his father's lightsaber anika you know anakin's lightsaber the the black striations across it you get the striping i think mm-hmm. i i that's probably my favorite
1: okay that's that, that, that's fair i uh I mean it's a classic for a reason and similar to you I've got more we got countless lightsabers here. I've fallen into the hobby of uh building the fancy ones with the electronics in it yeah I I can't but but (laughs) (laughs) but like I've got a box of lightsaber parts now and it's like hmm could I build a storm stormtrooper inspired lightsaber off of the old uh, concept art, I think I should. And but you know, it's y- y- the answer is yes. You should build a lightsaber if you can. But I asked you a question that I literally cannot answer because they're lightsabers. I mean, they're, well, they're they're just beautiful. Yeah,
0: and they're great. And then, um, like one thing I like about the sequel trilogy, and yeah, there's some issues I have with some of the storytelling choices that are there. Uh, I still enjoy those movies, and I loved being able to take my kids to the movie theater to see new Star Wars. Uh, but something like uh Kylo Ren's lightsaber like being uh, feeling like half finished and like just raggedy at the edges I'm like oh that that, like they really used the 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 visual of that to like represent a core of his character too
1: (laughs) like yeah yeah. each 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 lightsaber is so individualized mm -hmm. yeah
0: and you can Mm -hmm. watch the movies and never give that a thought or you can start to dig into it and really like find some cool symbolism that creators have put a lot of thought and uh maybe not all of that was there originally, but now so many people love Star Wars and are having the chance to like add to the stories through novels, through uh, the visual dictionaries, and all these other guides that they are layering in so much of that symbolic meaning and uh there's there's intent uh that exists behind it and maybe the first one was like okay we're gonna make a cool movie and you know, like all the mythology wasn't yet fully formed in george lucas's mind but a new hope is a pretty perfect film <laughs> even even if uh you know the the saga kinda sprawls outward in so many directions since then uh that movie as like a beginning middle end like if, even if you never got empire strikes back or return of the jedi um that is amazing. Whereas, like Empire Strikes Back, I think one of the knocks against it, and I think it's valid, is like that is a chapter in a story. It is not a story, uh, yes. but a New Hope. That is that's the whole story right there.
1: Yes, it is, and yeah, 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 one hundred percent. Now, one uh, one thing that I, I would like to circle back. I know we're running out of time, but I would like to circle back to is the when you had mentioned the legends. It's like they're still there, and I know they're not canon, but. Here's my head canon about legends that keeps them in the same universe. So
0: for any uh, listeners who aren't aware, when Disney bought Lucasfilm and, uh, you know, it, they started to produce new Star Wars stories at that point, uh, the the Lucasfilm had kind of uh, rubber stamped everything that had been produced under Star Wars name, whether it was Dark Horse comic books or uh, uh, the, the novels. And it was all this is a cohesive story and pretty much everything is canon. minus the holiday special and those Ewoks and Droids cartoons. (laughs) They kind of said, everything that's been produced by Star Wars is official story, and this all interlocks and interconnects. And then when Disney bought it, they said, we can't build off of that. Like There's too much there. We want to just build off the foundation of the films. And so they jettisoned all those novels and comics and said, those are legends. And they still reprint them sometimes with the Legends label on them. uh, But they say that those are not going to count for the official continuity of Star Wars. So now you have some headcanon about that, Brandon.
1: Yeah, so I have some headcanon that gets that. And and I know you've read uh, Name of the Wind. Mm-hmm. Um, and the scribe that comes in to tell Kvothe's story, uh, I can't remember his name all of a sudden.
0: Uh, the oh oh uh, they whole, make up a whole mythology about I love that character ah uh, why am I yes I like, oh, chronicler yeah. the, the chronicle. chronicler
1: yes and and how Kvothe I read, is I read like, it recently <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so so the the he Kvothe is trying to show the chronicler how legends can get out of control and he starts talking about oh what I heard he had a sword that was as thin as a piece of paper and the guy at the bar was like no you don't know the story i i remember that one let me tell you the story as it is and he embellishes this great big story well that's star that's the star wars legends stuff to me it's true from a certain point of view somebody like this this is the retelling as it was told by the guy at the bar mm-hmm. and so entire characters and plot points can be non-existent and just made up but this is these are the legends that people told about luke skywalker and han solo and the rebel heroes so because stories can take take off and have a mind of their own like that
0: yeah no i I like that that headcanon uh and that certainly works for me um and like i still have a shelf that has like a whole bunch of uh, Rogue Squadron books <laughs> and those Timothy Zahn books, and I, well, and I haven't gone back and The Beautiful thing is they those. keep
1: drawing from them. Yeah,
0: well, I, well they, there's the thing like they jettison all of it, but they they are pulling in characters like Thrawn was jettisoned as just legend, and now he's been brought into uh, the Rebels TV show. Right? Uh, it was in that, right. in that series. Uh, well, and
1: there's a new Thrawn actual Thrawn book. Uh huh. Yeah,
0: they brought the author of those original stories that had introduced. Thrawn back to tell Thrawn stories that were going to fit into the new continuity, <laughs> and so yes, it uh, it, it's always like, how much are you jettisoning, or you just want to be able to cherry pick and choose? I think maybe that's more what it is. It's like we just want to be able to choose and and not worry about if it, it doesn't all fit in perfectly.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's my head canon for legends.
0: Well, Brandon, thank you for coming on and talking Star Wars for an hour with us. Uh, I, I know that's <laughs> a, big, a big sacrifice for you. <laughs>
1: My wife came up here and looked at me and I was like, and then she heard me say Star Wars and she walked out of the room. (laughs) Just saying. Do you have
0: any final thoughts about Return of the Jedi that you want to share with our listeners?
1: I would like to say with Return of the Jedi, I love this one. And in in my personal opinion, like I have a hard time not placing this in if I have to rank the movies. I have a hard time not placing this one first because there are movies that I know that are in the series that are better than this one. But this is the one that my heart comes to first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I love this movie, and I was so glad that you had it on the list. Um, watching, watching it again, the, I, I watched it with a little bit more critical eye this last time that I watched it, knowing that I'd be talking about it here. It's, it's got a lot of the same problems as the sequel trilogy. The storytelling is not perfect. There are a lot of issues. But you know what? I don't care, and my nostalgia makes this movie <laughs> right up at the top. And I think that and I think that this can inform me about a lot of the way that I view new media. It's like, you know, what, give give things places in your hearts because it can make it that much better. You can you can resolve any issues, even with the special editions. So, yeah, I that's that that was that's probably my biggest takeaway with my preparation for this podcast with the Return of the Jedi. It's. One of my favorite Star Wars movies ever. It's not a great piece of cinematic work, but it is an amazing piece of cinematic work at the exact same time. So yeah, it's, I could spend another hour trying to explain that comment. So I won't.
0: No, well, for me, it comes down like I have a very similar reaction. Like when you start to try and work out what in the world their plan was in Jabba's palace to rescue Han Solo. It makes no sense. I do not care when I'm watching Jabba's palace. It is one of my favorite yeah. sequences in uh, in Star Wars is, like, everything with the Rancor, with the, the Sail Barge, with all the creatures in Jabba's Palace. Like, I love it all. What in the world were they doing by just sending person after person into Jabba's Palace? Hard to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but it doesn't really matter when I'm watching it, and that's kind of like uh, like you're saying, like, okay, well, there's a second Death Star. That's not really the most innovative threat to kind of, like, go back to what was in the first movie, but then when you get the fight and you have uh, the four seed and the lightsaber fight and the space battle all happening at the same time, I don't really care. <laughs> like it's, I'm, I'm just in. I, I love it. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and so for me, like, trying to rank Star Wars, it's always A New Hope and Return of the Jedi are, like, jockeying for 1 and 1A. And it, it depends. I, I think as far as, like, maybe the critical side of me says A New Hope's the better film. Uh, and it, it, Like I said, it's it's almost a perfect movie. Uh, but then, like, the, the child nostalgia, like, yearns for all the craziness of Ewok's and Java's palace and intercutting the three different fights simultaneously. Um you know build, building building mm-hmm. all
1: of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. And and so I, I I love it and I I can kind of understand people who are like ah, it's it's just not as good or it's too derivative or issues like that. Um but I would kind of like you just say just let all that go and just go enjoy it. It's really yeah. really good.
1: <laughs> Can't fault the purists for saying Empire is the best movie. Mm-hmm. But i it's one of the last ones i'll watch to be honest
0: yeah uh like for me it's uh like the best star wars is a new hope return of the jedi the first two-thirds of force awakens the last act of rogue <laughs> one and like the first act of empire on hot like that that's like those all are like the perfect evocations of everything i want from star wars and i like the other stuff fine i i just i'm not gonna go revisit it as often as like those parts
1: Yes, and I like a lot. Yes. Of,
0: I should throw in uh, last today. Uh, I need to go revisit that and like think more about it. I I, th- I think I kind of got turned off, not by the film itself, but by all the fan reaction that was just so overwhelming <laughs> around that one. And, uh, I, I just kind of disengaged from Star Wars for a little bit with that one and I need to probably go revisit it again.
1: I could spend yeah. another hour talking about that one, too. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's... we may have you back on then. <laughs> <laughs> there are people who know so much more about Star Wars and would do a much better job than I would, but but I, I will come I will come and be on your show whenever you allow me. Oh
0: well thank you. And and we love to have you on. I think that is gonna wrap up this episode, listeners. Thank you for joining us for show notes and links to all the other great dueling genre shows. You can go to duelinggenre.com. Also please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We'd we'll like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to go check out episode number 19, when we talked about A New Hope. That was in our baby infant days of podcasting. <laughs> or episode number 126, <laughs> when we talked about Empire Strikes Back. You can reach us by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com, or us on Twitter. You can follow at protagonistpod or at Jay Dorowski. And our producer, Andrew, is at Disminute And our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. Brandon, mm-hmm. is there anything you would like to plug?
1: yeah i i have a show called fandom where we just we just like things we you know it's it, you you've gotten a really good taste of it with the star wars discussion it's like yeah i'll apologize for any fandom because i like things <laughs> um and you can find us over at fandompodcast.com uh, and uh we're we've, we we're just getting ra- uh, ramped up again so forgive the the jumps in our schedules the pandemic i work school it the pandemic has been difficult this year
0: (laughs) you've you've been called on to do a lot both at the end of the school year and ramping up into the start of the school year
1: yes 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 so
0: (laughs) well thank you brandon for taking some time out to join us uh thank you listeners for downloading this episode we will be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story so long farewell Um, potentially. I'll see how the converg com congregation. That's not a thing. Nice. Conversation goes.